Hello and welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm your host, Adam Tarno, joined as always by my co-host, John McGee. John, why don't you let the audience know what we're going to talk about today? Yeah, Adam, so we just recorded an episode with Todd uh, Wagner, our senior pastor, and we talked about church discipline. And so both... Everyone's favorite topic. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the, the most requested topic we've ever had. Uh, yeah. And and so, you know, we talked about the things you would expect yeah. uh, in terms of, you know, um, kind of how to how to live out Matthew 18 in a, in a public sense and a, in a church, as well as kind of the micro moments of church discipline that should be happening at all levels of the church. And so I think uh, leaders will be really, really encouraged. And yeah. I hope they do something with this, take a next measured step uh, in their leadership of their church yeah, or and, their flock or wherever it is. That and we recorded in. this episode because we do get a lot of questions on yeah. this. You know, we do get a lot of leaders. It is an aspect of leadership, as we're going to talk about, is, is the care and the correction and the coaching. And a lot of people are reaching out, asking us kind of how we think mm-hmm. about it or tactically how we do that. I think we cover all this in that interview. So I think it'll be really encouraging. So check this out and then we'll come back with some final thoughts. All right, John. So today's conversation, church discipline, uh, something that is easy to talk about in a classroom, easy to talk about in a Bible study, Hmm. difficult to live out, uh, especially in our culture today where uh, tolerance has such a high value and you can't tell me what I'm doing wrong or you can't challenge me and all that kind of stuff. So church discipline is is uh, very difficult, unfortunately, for a lot of churches to live out. And it is an aspect of pastoral leadership. So um, we got Todd in the studio again today, Todd, to talk about this. Expert. And so, Todd, even before we hit record on this, you you had talked about that you think this is one of the biggest areas of failure in the church today is around this area of church discipline. So just unpack that a little bit. What, what, what are you seeing from your perspective as a leader in the church? Well, I, I just think that so much of what's happening in the church today is that shepherds have stopped shepherding their sheep. They're, they're more concerned about stage building and show business than they are shepherding. Yeah. And, um, and so when they ask themselves, gosh, if we call people to a biblical standard and really love them and, um, and spur them on the way that God wants us to, and that membership means something that no one will go to my church. And I, I just want to say, hey, it's not your church. I want to remind you that this is the church that Jesus purchased with his own blood, and you are to shepherd the flock of God among you. And so I think we need to deconstruct a little bit about what church discipline is. Everybody always thinks about like there's some high council that sits up there and and grades people, kind of like a prison guard looking out over the, you know, the the courtyard and yeah. finding guys and spotlight. Yeah, spotlighting them, which is nothing that's nothing to do with biblical care and correction. Yeah. yeah. And so um the the failure of the church to admonish you unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, to help the weak, to bear one another's burdens. If you see anybody caught in any spiritual trespass. You who are spiritual, correct such a one in a spirit of gentleness, first looking to yourself, lest you too be tempted, and thus fulfill the law of Christ. It just doesn't happen. Most, I would tell you, I would say the large part of American Christianity, American churchgoers, have never seen radical adult conversion on a regular basis, and they've also... Uh, most of them have never seen care and correction done well, yep. yeah. to where there was separation from the body for the purpose of um, helping a person come to their senses and be eventually prayerfully restored to the body. Right. So it's got to happen. And this is, you know, this is the church leadership podcast. So if we frame this up, even in the, in the context of leadership, this is an essential aspect of leadership is not just always pointing towards a future that is preferred and great and optimistic. There are some times as leaders that we have got to look into people's lives 
and go, that's not right. You know, <laughs> prod a little bit, poke, hold people accountable, say, it's not all good right there. The way you're treating your spouse is not all good. The way you're treating your kids is not all good. The, just your priorities in life right now, that's not good. I love you enough that's to it. tell that's you it. it's not good. And our, we... You know, in our culture, we we are okay with some of that. We all love having coaches in different aspects of our life. We'll have a life coach or somebody that helps us with our golf swing or our tennis game, uh, or we'll have a personal trainer and aspect of coaching. They're going to say, hey, your form is not right there. They will correct you. And we're okay with it in certain aspects of our life. But in the church world... And uh, our relationships, we're not, we're not that into it, but this is a, this is an essential aspect of leadership. Yeah, I think it's right. I think, I think one of the reasons why we don't lean into this is because we feel like it's unloving. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and I, Todd, I learned this from you more than any other person on the planet. It's the most loving thing you can do. And I was looking at first Corinthians uh, five, which I'm, I'm sure you're going to talk about at some point. I was looking at it this morning and I, I thought, you know, a really good outline there for the section on church discipline is one, it's good for the person. Um, you know, hopefully their flesh is destroyed. Um, and two, it's good for the church. It, it purifies. And then, uh, you know, even uh, in First Timothy 5 talks about kind of setting an example or an, an, a warning. And so it is the most loving thing you can do, A, for the individual, uh, and then B, uh, for the church. Yeah. And uh, it is good, loving, wise leadership uh, to practice church discipline. Now, I think it'd be good to talk about what, what church discipline actually looks like yeah. and uh, how you think about that, Todd. So, I, I mean, first of all, you, you, uh, John, you couldn't be more right. Better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. We all know these verses, right? Faithful the wounds of a friend, but deceitful the kisses of an enemy. We're warned against the flatterer. Um, we're told if we see somebody who is staggering away to slaughter, to hold them back, mm-hmm. you know, in fact, it says what's Proverbs 24, 11 and verse 12 then says, if you say, see, we didn't know this. We didn't know they were headed to trouble. Does not he considered who weighs the hearts and will he not, does he not know who keeps your soul and will he not render to man according to his deeds? The man that he's talking about there is not the guy that you see staggering to slaughter. It's the people who see people staggering to slaughter and let him keep doing it. And, and, you know, so first of all, churches have got to ask themselves, what's our goal? What are we doing? We, we, we like to say around here, our goal is to be and make disciples. Okay, that's how we measure success. It's not by how many people come, how many people like us, how many people podcast us. We know that we are to shepherd the flock of God among us that he has purchased with his own blood, and we're going to give an account for the souls. That that verse ought to just make every single one of us, you know, just lose our breath when it says, these men will give an account for your souls, and we are to shepherd the flock of God among us. I want to just say, the shepherds are also sheep. So I am, I, I desperately need church discipline. Yeah. I need guys who admonish me, encourage me and help me with great patience. But, um, you know, there's only, I, I, I want to make sure I don't forget saying this. I love the quote where there's only two people in the world that can tell you the truth about yourself. And that's the enemy that's lost his temper or a friend that loves you dearly. Mm-hmm. And, and all of us need people who will tell us the truth. And it, I don't want it to be people who've lost their temper. I would love to have a loving shepherd who's going to come alongside of me who first has looked to himself so he's not tempted to be arrogant, right, or condescending and just go, Todd, I know, I know you want to be God's man. And so let me, let me, let me, I, I started talking about the prison guards and, and the guys down there in the courtyard and that we think church discipline is these people shine a spotlight. I'm taking shots at them saying, you're not doing good. And the truth is, is, I mean, church discipline is something that happens in my life, I don't know, five, six times a day. Yeah. You know, usually by my wife or my daughters. <laughs> Last night we were playing a stupid game as a family, and I was I was um, it was teasing a little bit, but it, it, the teasing 
kind of hurt the feeling of one of my other daughters, right? It was like, hey, man, we, we set a timer. You got to go. You got to go. And and um, and she was trying to do something else. She was trying to be a good steward and buy something cheaply on a like a yard sale kind of a thing. And I was giving her a hard time. And when the game was over, one of my other daughters said, hey, dad, that wasn't your best, man. You need to go, you need to go deal with that. That was church discipline. It was care and correction. Now, had I just barked at her and said, Hey, I'm the dad, you know, you don't do that to me. Then she would have needed to widen the circle. Yeah. Right. But most of the, I would say this at watermark in general and in godly communities, 99% of the church discipline that happens, happens between friends. Yes. So good. Okay. It doesn't happen from pulpits and it doesn't happen from elders. Yes. It happens from believer to believer in a way that Matthew 18 encourage us as us to do it. When I see less than Jesus is best in you, I take a deep breath, I pray, and I humbly say, hey, John, hey, Adam, man, you know I love you, and I know you love Jesus. And, man, if I see some things in your life that I be- believe are not God's best, I know you would want me to humbly talk to you about them. Yeah. That, that's 99% of the discipline because typically Adam and John always go, man, hey, but let me just even finish for you. Dang it, that you had to say something to me before I came and asked your forgiveness. You're talking about this, aren't you? And I know that was my flesh. Will you forgive me? Yeah. Absolutely. And and as mm. a uh, mm. senior leader and an elder of this church, nine, that means 99% of the church discipline you personally don't even know happened. At I least. Mean, <laughs> at least right. that. I, yeah. I mean, the stuff that makes it to your desk and to the elder's mm. desk are conversations that have been happening for so long with so many people that Matthew 18 process bearing out where it was one-to-one and then they widen the circle a little bit more. And then they're finally kind of at the later stages where this is a member who has raised their hand and said, I want to be shepherded here, but now their, their, their hearts are hardened. Um, and that's the stuff that kind of makes it to your desk or to, uh, to, to your guys's attention. I know you're going to, you, you can talk about this topic for years. I want to just jump in here really quick and just make this point, you know, Adam, for our listeners, um, some guys are going to listen to this. uh, Some women are going to listen to this and go, we really, we need to kind of turn that dial a little bit. Um, how do we do, do that? One of the very first things Todd already showed you, one of the very first steps is to model it yourself mm. and just submit yourself to the care and correction of others because That's you good. can't ask other people to do uh, that which you're not modeling. And so one of the reasons, you know, Adam, you just, you made a comment before we hit record is that that's kind of, this is kind of the thing that we're getting known for is church discipline, which is crazy. Um, and it, but it, but it kind of permeates uh, hopefully lovingly all the way through the body. But it starts at the top. Yeah. And so Todd just told you, hey, last night I was the recipient of, uh, you know, some church discipline that hopefully I responded uh, well to. And so now Mike, he can lean into us. That, that little uh, preamble you did there, Todd, hey, because you're a believer, I, I see some things. I was like, I've heard this before, uh, you know, <laughs> I've been on the receiving end uh, of that. But uh, it's got to start with you. You don't just stand up in the pulpit uh, after you hear this podcast and just start waylaying people. Uh, you submit yourself <laughs> first uh, to the care and correction of others. Yeah, we, we have to. I mean, at some point, please stay tuned in this podcast. We'll explain what it means when it says tell it to the church, <laughs> especially at Watermark, which is a large church with thousands of people here. Um, I, a couple of things I, I might say that would surprise you. Number one, I would say a hundred percent of the church discipline here starts outside of the office of elders, mm. right? It, it starts with believer loving believer and slowly gets widened to where before the formal decision to say that, Hey, it's not wise anymore to continue to admonish this person or encourage this person. In effect, they've made it clear that they're, they're not a sheep. They're going to be a dog, right? And, uh, or, 
they're going to no longer act like a sheep. They would be a swine that cast the pearls of truth and rebuke to them would no longer be wise. That's when we get in to make sure every care has been taken and um, to, to help them lovingly see where they're at. And then also where we just make sure that we're very clear on what needs to happen to restore the relationship. Yeah. So the very end where you, you tell it to the church, the church in our little definition really is only the people in the body that know the individual, mm-hmm. okay, have a relationship with the individual. They're going to run into that individual so that we can all be like-minded in our love for them and how to treat them and encourage them um, toward repentance so they can be reconciled to Jesus in the body of Christ. Right. Um, and it's never to, now if it's an elder, if everybody in the church knows it, the whole church knows me, First Timothy 6 is real clear about that, you know, or, or 5, excuse me, uh, is real clear about that. Tell it to the church so yeah. that every man might know, hey, we don't play when it comes to church leadership. But um, our, our job as leaders is to make sure that every care has been taken, every opportunity to win that brother to repentance uh, has happened and that clear steps for them to be restored are there. Yeah. Um, there's we've been sued. All right. I mean, Dallas morning news, the Sunday morning edition, the top page of the Dallas morning news was about a situation where we were sued because we were moving a person through care and correction. And at the time, watermark was roughly, I don't know, 2000 people. Mm -hmm. And I think only 15 people, you know, maybe 30 people to this day even know who that was. Right. Right. But it made it sound like we stood up and said, Hey, this guy did this and you can't believe it. And he was shamed in that way. You know, so we don't feel like we need to tell everybody what's going on in an individual's life. When most people, the first time they're going to hear what the guy was doing is, or who even the guy is, is when we mention his name. So care and correction, telling to the church does not involve some blanket uh, Sunday morning announcement. It means the church, the God, God's people around them and the leadership of that those people biblically um, are, are in alignment, in agreement, and lovingly shepherding them towards uh, repentance. And if they don't want to, then just saying, "Hey, let's let's separate." And and because you don't want to walk with Christ, we shouldn't be yoked together anymore. And uh, we're going to stop wearing you out. But let's be clear: we're not we're not saying you're going to hell. But let's just make it clear you're no longer pursuing heaven with us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we want to warn you. That there's a real chance that, you know, because there's no desire for you to walk with Jesus, that you need to exa- evaluate what that means. Yeah. That's that's between you and Jesus. Yeah. The Bible says treat him like a tax gatherer Gentile. It doesn't mean they are. Right. Right. Just treat him that way. Call him repentance and love him. So, um, yes, I, I think I, there's so many um, quotes that we use, you know. Uh, that that inform us in the midst of this. But, you know, Spurgeon, who's always worth quoting, just says, there's a time will come when instead of shepherds feeding sheep, we're going to have a bunch of clowns entertaining goats. And I think most of American churchianity is that today. Yeah, We've got a bunch of clowns who aren't shepherding the flock. They see people more as envelopes and congregants or attendees than souls they're going to give an account for. And they don't really care if they act like goats as long as they go to church again next weekend. Now, that's a pretty harsh statement, Adam. But I would just ask the believers listening to this, when's the last time you've seen somebody who um, in your community, in your body, uh, who is living in a way that's inconsistent with Scripture, lovingly taken all the way through the process to where we state the case in order before their eyes and we release them to their sin? with clarity and compassion, with a clear path back. Yeah. If you have never seen that happen biblically, you're, you need to tell us where that is so we can see a church that doesn't have people who ever give way to sin. Uh, or you need to ask yourself if you guys are serious about shepherding the flock that That's you're a part of.
Yeah. Do you think that most people, Todd, or most churches, leaders that you talk to, I, you're you're completing that process where you're saying we lay out where uh, where their heart seems to be hardened, the pattern of behavior that we've seen, the conversations that we've had, and we release them to their sin and a path back, mm, right? Always. And I think that piece is so critical that you're not done with your shepherding to say, uh, be gone. You know, you're not a member anymore. It is a clear path, like here's the way back home, and we really want you to come back home. Do you do you see leaders out there? Uh, what what's more difficult for leaders in your in your thought to clearly call out the sin to uh, to define the relationship to say hey you're a member no longer a member or to create this clear path home. I think it's just the courage to be willing to have to do all of them yeah. and to really take the, the, it seriously. And so I think each one of those things fall under the category of you can't do it well unless you're doing every one of those. That's good. But that clear path home, one of the things that we'll do in the show notes is we'll put a, we um, have a letter. I mean, I, 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 I think, I don't think this is arrogant to say this, and but I think there's probably more folks that are put through a care and correction process that's consistent with scripture at Watermark on any given month than almost every other church I know in the Dallas-Fort Worth area combined. Now, I mean, um, people might go, well, that's because you got a bunch of pagans that you let be members. <laughs> They're pastors. And, and like I would it. say I, it might be. <laughs> and uh, I don't think it's because we're, we're troublesome meddlers and moral policemen. Yeah. I, I will tell you because it's the elders here take very seriously um, God's command for us to shepherd the flock of God among us. Mm. And so every single week, Adam, I, I and the other leaders get a report from our community team. There's maybe four or five degrees of separation between each of us and every member of the body. And so we know what members of our body are struggling at a point where the members of the community group are going, we care for them. You've taught us to eld one another, to shepherd one another. We're a kingdom of priests. We're trying to help this person uh, respond biblically as we've counseled biblically. We've admonished them faithfully and uh, we love them and pursue them relationally. They're not willing to listen. And so we feel like we've got to involve other people. We've, we've asked for this other conversation, this other meeting. We see those updates every week. We pray for those people. We reach out for them. And then eventually when that person just says, I'm done, I don't want to be shepherded here anymore. I don't want to fulfill the, the covenant that we have as believers with one another. Then we have a, a letter that is kind of what we always say is the period at the end of a conversation. Yeah. It's not the beginning. It's not like they get a letter in the mail. Like what? I it's didn't like, even know. Yeah. yeah it's not and, that. And it's always signed by the elders, but also every other single member of their community and uh, the layers of relationship around them. Anybody that knows them and has loved them through this process, we all sign it. We say we love you. And, and we, we talk about what specifically it is. And sometimes, Adam, it's just for gross apathy a disinterest in spiritual things, an unwillingness to practice the one of the scripture and pursue each other relationally, to devote themselves daily to God's word. It's not, always, it's not always sex or a tragedy and a divorce, okay? Um, it, it's sometimes just apathy and indifference towards Christ. And it's not after just a bad weekend or right. a bad vacation, um, right? This is a long right. season. Uh, this is a, I love how you said that. It is a long conversation, the period at the end of a sentence after yes. a long conversation. This is, uh, this is a pattern. This is not a hasty jumping to a conclusion and just saying, let's, uh, let's now put them in care and correction. Yep. Yeah. And so just to play that out. So I, I think Todd, you made a astute observation. Most people have never really seen this done well. Um, so just practically, what would this look like? We're going to put, you know, Adam under church discipline here. Oh, no. Um, uh, you know, again, I probably <laughs> yet again, uh, twice this week. So, you know, uh, first I'd go to you, Adam, you know, 
Uh, and if you were just kind of hard-hearted, unrepentant, or you know, we weren't sure, we'd widen the circle. We'd get the whole group involved and say, I've shared this with Adam. Uh, he doesn't see it this way. You know, he's probably, uh, he's or he's dug his heels in. Yeah. And uh, what do you guys think? You know, and we would say, yeah, we, we all see that. Well, we're going to pray for you, brother. We're calling you back uh, to repentance. We're, we're not going anywhere and we don't want to shame you. But like, uh, we're in this with you. Please, please, please obey the Lord in this. And uh, if not, then uh, generally then the staff person or the, um, you know, one of the community group shepherds will be looped in. And so now you just kind of keep moving up uh, the chain. The elders are, have been, once it kind of hits serious and the, the red light starts blinking, the elders are aware. Uh, then it goes to the, the staff then is aware and they're uh, involved. And then after a period in, you know, uh, however, there's no, there's no playbook here where we, uh, there's a spreadsheet and we put the variables in, but at some point when it becomes obvious that you were not going to repent, uh, you had no interest in, um, you know, listening to the counsel of your church, then we would, you know, um, basically tell you, Hey, we're going to cut you loose. We don't feel like you're one of the sheep that we have to now, uh, be responsible for as Todd's talked over. And I'm going to have to give an account for my sheep. Well, you're just saying you don't want to be a uh, sheep. So uh, we're going to just kind of release you and we'll tell you verbally, and then we'll probably uh, type it up and say, this is what we see uh, in you. If we miss something, let us know. And then here's generally, uh, here's the redemptive path back. Here's what we're asking you uh, to do. And we're not just kicking you to the curb and saying, have a nice life. Like we, we want to be in fellowship yeah. with you and this is what it would look like for you. And, um, and so sometimes people come back. Yeah. And, um, and sometimes they don't, you know, those are the hard ones and they, they go and they tell other people how unloving you and unkind you were. And, and you were there and you know, there was 50 conversations and there was prayer and there was sometimes fasting and begging and pleading. And then uh, afterwards they, you were, you were unloving, you were unkind, you were mean, you were judgmental. Um, that's going to happen. And then there will be some of those sweet moments. One of my, oh, one man. of my, God, still, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast, but uh, we've got these, um, uh, prayer times on a Friday morning or Friday afternoon. Uh, and I walked into the chapel and we were, we were praying and I came in a little bit late, sat down next to a guy and I think we were singing and then it was a turn with the people that you're close to and, uh, and pray. And I turned and to my right, uh, was a gentleman that we had placed under church discipline, uh, because of the kind of husband, uh, that he, he was and what he, uh, his unrepentant attitude. And I turned and I was like, I remember you and I remember that you were restored yeah. because you did everything that we asked you to do and you've been marked by obedience. And I just, and I just turned and I said, brother, man, let's pray. That's awesome. And those are the finest moments of the church. And that's uh, hopefully uh, what comes on the other end of that. But that's what it would look like. Todd, would you add anything to that? Just kind of the process for those who've never seen that done well? Yeah, it's just worth saying most corrective discipline is personal. It's private. Yeah. And very informal. Yeah. Right? It's when there is, um, you know, what we usually say is, um, you know, don't stop when it gets sticky. It gets sticky when somebody starts to show a little bit of a hard heart towards things of Christ. And most of us go, man, that's an awkward conversation. I want to go back. A person tells us, you know, they, they tell us not be judgmental. And but well, we just got through an entire weekend service talking yeah. about the difference between making judgments and being judgmental. And, and so we are to, um, you know, love our, our friends. I mean, it, it's... Accountability and discipline are signs of God's love. The father reproves and disciplines those whom he loves. The scriptures are very clear about that. The reason you hold people accountable is because they count. They matter to God. Mm. Right? And so, no, John, I mean, I think you described it very, very well. And it's just, it's us loving one another um, 
and and spurring each other on to love and good deeds. But but most of it is just is is like I said, it's just it's very informal, very private, very personal. And we all come to our senses and go, thank you, thank you. It's a it's a good conversation that sharpened. And you're right, I want more of Jesus. It's when you need to finish it and follow it all the way through. And Matthew eighteen fifteen through eighteen walks us through that process. And we we um, we in that final. I guess pronouncement of what's going to happen always do lay out. This is what we long for. This is the restoration we hope for. This is our desire in stating clearly, you no longer want to walk with Jesus. We're separating from you. You know, I think sometimes, you know, we got in a little bit of trouble, I guess, publicly for this because people always hear, well, he's no longer a member. And they think like a member of a said country club in town. So now the guard at the gate has a picture of them not allowed to come <laughs> onto the said country club grounds where well, our, our church is in a country club and non-believers are welcome here all the time. So even people that been put through church discipline are welcome to come onto Watermark Campus and to be loved. We wouldn't let them take communion. We, we you know, and it's not like we even ID everybody when we do that. We just warn them that you're eating and drinking judgment to yourself when you take it in an unworthy manner, when you don't concern yourself with the things of Christ, and yet you celebrate that there's judgment for sin. That's yeah. not going to work out well for you. Yeah. But they're welcome here, and we want to proclaim the gospel to them and show them that we love them. But we don't want them to be deluded into thinking that it's all peaceful with Christ when their life is not consistent with how Christ wants them to live. And we take this very seriously. And we've always said here, it doesn't matter how big we get as long as we're biblical. And the day we stop caring for every single member of our body and equipping the saints to care for one another this way, that's what people have to understand. We do this individually in our communities where we practice the one of the scripture. It's part of our covenant commitment to each other. When you look in our our, our membership statement, we said we, we, we are committed to encourage and support one another as we follow Christ, to worship God, to grow in our understanding of his love for us, to seek, to tell us about the forgiveness and peace. And then we're gonna we're gonna not run away from this community to avoid care and correction. That's in our membership statement. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I will love you uh, in the midst of sin. By calling it sin. So we make that commitment to each other. And uh, it's what makes us such a healthy place. We've all seen folks who have been in churches for 20, 30 years that still have these characteristics about them and nothing's changed. No one's ever talked to them about it. They're loud. They're unself-aware. They're maybe even abusive in their speech. And everybody kind of dances around it. Man, what a shame to Christ, hmm. right? Uh, that that would be a pattern that continues to mark somebody's life because nobody's ever cared for them enough to lovingly correct them. Now, look, Adam, you said it beautifully earlier, and I want to tap on it again. It's not because somebody has a bad weekend. They go, this process, you know, hits some climax. It's never happened once, right? We have had people who have committed sexual immorality who were not put through a care and correction process. They repented of it. They were Mm -hmm. taught. They they, they go, man, I blew it, right? Looked at pornography. I blew it. And they deal with it. They confess, and they forsake and they find compassion. Yeah. We don't, you don't have to take it to the next step when that happens. Yeah. Okay. Um, if they're in certain positions of leadership and, and, and that, that particular failure, uh, it might make sense to remove them from levels of leadership for right. a season, right. but not to be separated from the body. No. Okay. We don't shoot our wounded, but we also don't leave our wounded at war. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. We, we, we work with them to restore them to a place of strength and beauty 
and uh, ability to serve our King. So as you talked about things that were off limits, then once someone has been uh, put through the, the final process of church discipline, you know, if it's back to Adam uh, again, uh, what, what changes for him, Todd? So one, uh, we'd ask him not to take, we'd warn him uh, not to take communion. Uh, and, would, not and, to, and would knowingly take it with him, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we wouldn't let him serve. We wouldn't let him lead uh, here at our church, obviously, if we mm-hmm. been put. What, what else changes in the relationship? We're still going to call him to repentance, but what changes then? Um, the way we view him, the way we relate to him, what's available to him at our church. I think what would change fundamentally is um, my expectation of him. I'm never surprised when a sinner sins. They're just fulfilling the job description. And when somebody says, hey, I'm not really interested in walking with Jesus and following what Christ says, uh, or I no longer think that's what Christ expects me to do, then I'm not going to be surprised when he does what he doesn't think is a problem. Okay? So I'm no longer going to... uh, admonish him or call him to faithfulness. I'm going to uh, live a holy life before him. I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to um, let kindness mark me. I'm going to propose a better way by the life that I live and uh, have gospel conversations with him, not shepherding conversations okay. with him. Okay. That's good. Yeah. So if I had, cause, um, there's, there's a gentleman that I'm thinking of that is close to all three of us. And I was put through the, um, uh, the church discipline process. And I think Todd, you will call him or text him uh, occasionally. Yeah. So it's not, you've not written him off and you're like, well, you'll never talk to him again. But what, what, what would you say in a, in a phone call or I don't even know if you talk to him on the phone, but what would, what would you text someone who is, um, you know, been put through the process of church discipline and it, at least on the surface doesn't show any um, kind of signs of repentance. How do you, how do you love someone like that? I, I, mean, I think the same way I would love any person I meet on the street who doesn't yet know Jesus, right? I don't, I don't try and go, Hey, how can I quickly get into a spiritual conversation with you? Uh, I, my goal, um, is to love them. And that means at times speak the truth. It's maybe to remind them a little bit, uh, do everything I can to speak of the goodness of God, let the, the, the song of the goodness of God to be in my tongue. And, um, and then to love them in a way that lets them know that I'm not going to love them more if they agree with me, but I'm also not going to confuse them that they're my brother locking arms with yep. me. Yep. Right. I'm not going to act like we're in fellowship that we should do business together because we're both living for two different things. So I'll be friendly. I, I, I don't think it means I can't take a meal with them. Like in, you know, when it talks about this in some of the smaller epistles in the new Testament where it says, don't even associate or eat, uh, yeah. associate yeah. or eat. I think that has more to do with back then. There'd be traveling evangelists that were false apostles that, you know, when you gave them shelter and a meal, you were basically funding their ministry. Yeah. Okay. But that doesn't mean I shouldn't, I, I still want to be a friend. Jesus member was a friend of sinners. Mm-hmm. He was not a companion of sinners. Companion was somebody that he goes, Hey, we are, uh, we, we're going to constantly, our bread is going to be together. We're going to do business together. Right. I, 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 Jesus ate with sinners and he loved sinners and he never let their sin, uh, affect his lifestyle. And there was never confusion between the sinner and Jesus. And I can have relationships with lost people. Even folks that have been through church discipline where I'm civil and I'm kind and not confuse them about whether or not we're brothers. Yeah. So if you run into them That's at good. the Chick-fil-A on a Saturday, you go up and you say hi Absolutely. and you ask them how their family's doing yeah. and you yeah. just treat them like, like, like a friend. Like you said, you're friendly with them. Yes. It's not that, Oh gosh, there they are. This is awkward guys. Let's go across the street to Whataburger. Now. Uh, it's not that at <laughs> all. It is, anyway. yeah. it is just love them. Like I would love any, yeah. uh, any friendly person or person that I, I have some acquaintance with. Absolutely. It's good. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 you know, guys, 
please hear me when I say this. The world's going to criticize you, right? But the world criticizes us, first of all, for um, they're frustrated by her hypocrisy and the inconsistency in the church, right? Don't you hear that all the time? Yeah. And then when they hear that you actually do this and you make a statement that this person doesn't want to walk with Jesus and you put them through a process where they say, hey, just so you're not confused, world. Yeah. Okay, about what it means to follow Jesus. This person's going to be separated from us. They, they come at us and go, hey, that's so judgmental. That's what I like about you people. I'm like, well, you can't have it both ways. Yeah. Okay, that we, that we in a sense, police and lovingly shepherd ourselves. Yes. Or that we're just like the world. Yes. And so just know you're going to get criticized either way. Yeah. Okay. And so I would encourage you to be criticized by the world and not by your king. There you go. Who's told you what to do. Yeah. Really yeah. Cause the criticism is, well, why don't you guys point out other sins? You know, what about, uh, arrogance and pride and hypocrisy and, uh, apathy and all those. And I think what we're doing is look at 98 or 90, 99.1% of the care and correction that happens. It's for all of those yeah, things. It's not just these ones yeah. that are making headlines. Right Abs- now. Absolutely. Todd, what would you tell someone they're in a church and they just never practiced this. So both of the kind of in the formal tell it to the church, church way, but also, uh, just in, you know, in small groups, they don't lean in, admonish, uh, sharpen each other. Any thoughts on someone they're going to, they want to take their first steps, their first measured steps in this. Yeah, w- there? W- I think we'll put some link to some messages yeah. that, that we'll talk about that, th- that why this is a biblical practice and why it's frankly, not even an optional practice. Yeah. If you're going to be serious about calling yourself Jesus's church, right? Because Jesus tells us to do this. Uh, he just walks it through. You just can't miss it. In, in, like I said, I would take your first, probably the easiest way is in the Gospels is to Jesus in Matthew 18. You know, when he says, if you see a brother sin, you first go to him in private, right? And, um, and, and humbly point out what's going on. And if they repent, praise God, right? If they agree with you and acknowledge it and confess and forsake, they should get nothing but compassion. End of story. But if it continues to be a symptomatic issue and or they just go, I don't really think that's a big deal then widen the circle and then eventually make sure that the entire church agrees that what's going on is unbiblical behavior. And, um, and I would just tell you, if you want to be a biblical church, you're going to have to do it. And so I would humbly lean into this. And what you might find out is that there's just not the will of leadership to do it a lot of times. And uh, that's, that's a real sadness is that there is a, um, a, a failure. And I, I see it, in, I see it in families all the time too, where we're in the name of love. We enable behavior yeah. because we love our kids. I don't want to take, I don't want to do this. Oh, I just don't want to hurt the relationship and the relationship that you've got to be concerned about is that person's relationship with the Lord. Yeah. And your job, because you have a relationship with the Lord is to love them the way Jesus tells you to love them. So with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, being patient when wronged, Right. But at the end of the day, you're trying to deliver them from the snare of the devil. Mm-hmm. And if they are trapped in an understanding or a lifestyle that's inconsistent with what Jesus wants, you are compelled by Christ and scripture yeah. to deal with it. So we always say when an offense dishonors God or, 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 or you know, it's, it's, it's a man's glory that scripture says to look over a minor offense. So what's too big a deal to look over? We say there's four things. When it dishonors God, when there's some behavior, it goes, that's not something that, that, rightly is representing the king. It's not walking worthy of the manner with which you have been called. Uh, secondly, when it's damaging um, your relationship with that person, because we're called to one, we're to be diligent, preserve the union of spirit and the bond of peace. Uh, thirdly, when it's hurting other people, if you see a behavior that somebody's involved in that's hurting other people, you can't be silent. And then fourthly, it's when it's damaging that own person's 
relationship or ability to represent Jesus yeah. because you love them and your brother, you got you, you can't overlook an offense if it's any one of those four things. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. compelled by the love of Christ to move. If you're at a church, it doesn't do that. I would just tell you, you're at a church in name only because a biblical church does this. Yeah. And I, I, I will tell you that most churches don't. And it's why most of the world looks at American Christianity and goes, it's no different than the non-church world. And it's probably, even if we were going to drill down more, it's what we've talked about in the beginning, which was the 99% of the small, quick conversations that happen casually and formally. It's not a lot of people being afraid to have that first conversation, Mm -hmm. you know, that you hurt me or I'm, I'm, and it's maybe not even when you hurt me, because John, if you were mean to me, it's going to be a little bit easier for me to go to you and go, Hey, when you said that the other day, that really hurt me. I want to let you know, like that's, that's easier. I think the harder conversations for people to get into is I'm observing things and now I have to, I have to, to make an observation. Yeah, this is and a pattern. one of the things that I've found that it's just, again, just, is, I don't want to dumb this down or, or make this uh, overly simplistic, but I have found that this idea going into those conversations assuming maybe I'm wrong mm-hmm. and I'm going to, I want to check my perceptions or my observations. And when I go in and ask questions, not make accusations, mm-hmm. those conversations generally go easier. So yep. I think the way of love in that is, Hey Todd, I've been around you in two or three meetings. I've observed something mm. to me. My perception is this, but I might be missing something. It is my perception, right? Uh, is is uh, the way I'm the, the tone you seem to be taking with other people in this, these meetings? It just seems like there's something there. Is there something there? Because this is what I've been observing. That that perception checking and asking questions is I have found to be such a helpful way to get into those first conversations. Well, it just put some yeah. Because immediately if you come in hot and you know uh, I've been around you three times, you're such a jerk. I mean, what are they going to put say? people on their yep. heels? Everybody's all. It's going to get into that fight, flight, or freeze thing, and they're going to be defended. And they still would be responsible to deal with it. But yes, if you yeah. come in. Um, the, it, that's just the wise way uh, yeah. to do so. And I think one of the other things, uh, just to call that out, Adam, is just to have some examples, yep. uh, just to say, you know, Hey John, like, listen, you're, you're just, um, you're really uh, arrogant. Well, I, I, I don't know what to do with that or what, I don't, I don't know what, uh, how you came to that conclusion or what it would look like to change that. And so if you can give me some examples, uh, or ask about those examples, I think better and then say, Hey, can I suggest it a better, better way, you yeah. know, a more Christ honoring way yeah. that that's something I can do with, uh, do something with yeah. there, rather than just a, a full on, uh, you know, assault. There isn't like, cause all this is going to take some candor. Right. Where you've just got to be able to have a direct conversation. And I think what we what we've learned or some of the things that we've learned in years of of engaging in these conversations is there's an art to the candor and you can get better at it. And it gets a little bit easier Amen. when you try to Amen. do it. And uh, but you got to have some courage. Like it always takes some courage to be able to engage in that conversation and a level of humility, because as, as we even talked about this past mm-hmm. weekend, teaching Matthew chapter seven, that uh, the difference between being. Uh, casting a judgment and being judgmental is the difference between pride and humility often yep. is when I'm coming in prideful that I'm above you. Now I'm pointing down. Now I'm looking down. Now, now I'm making uh, declarative statements of, Hey, I think I know what's in your heart. And it's this where you take the position of humility. I'm going to ask questions. And even, even that noticing how our tone is changing, I'm going to ask questions. My volume's down a little bit. I'm slower. And that's, I mean, as silly as it sounds, those things matter. That tone matters totally. when you're talking to people. It does matter. So we, we like to say truth is never optional, but timing and tone are. Yeah. And a lot of times I've got to say, hey, listen, man, if the way I'm saying this is the problem, would you help me with that? Yeah. Because I don't want to say it. the words of the wise, the Bible says, makes knowledge acceptable. Right. And so I want to say this to you in a way, again, Adam, 
as a per, as a broken person who needs love as well. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't, I couldn't say I love you if I didn't address this in your life. Yeah. And so, um, I, think, I, I interrupt here real yeah, quick just please. to encourage you on yeah. one thing, because this is this is one thing that I think is different. So, Todd, you are known in your in your uh, public preaching uh, for bold declarative statements mm-hmm. that uh, that uh, are right. They're a part of you. That's who you are when you're up there. And that's one of your your prophetic gifts and that that tone that you take in preaching. What John and I also know is we mm-hmm. see you one-on-one with people. Mm. And I think there's a lot of people that don't have the relationship with Todd due to the size of the church that think, oh, that's the way he is at all times. <laughs> so I bet when he, uh, when he is candor, you know, or speaking with candor to people, it's like a cowboy kicking in the bar doors going, guess who's here? Oh, and the guns gosh. are blazing. Yeah. And what's amazing is to watch the pastoral tone mm. that you have in those one-on-one conversations. I've been on the receiving side of those. I've observed those and uh, and there's a time and place for the tone and yeah. and we've just got to like, Ecclesiastes three we got to know what time it is yeah and Adam you and I have jumped on that grenade a lot of times we've seen a young a young believer about to walk into yes. a conversation You're like I know this is what Todd would say yeah like he might say that but not not, not the way you way. think no please don't <laughs> and we I've seen <laughs> we have we've got stories we've got uh, stories it's yeah. just unfortunately and so that's one of the things I know you and I both are really uh, really keen to to jump on quickly yeah. and say, tell me how, how you're going to say that. Okay. No, that's just not going to go over well. I don't think it honors the Lord. And, uh, and the tone, uh, really, really matters. Really good call out. Really good call out. Um, I'm just thinking guys, you know, this, this creates, uh, it's hard. Uh, it's so hard. Um, and you can just turn, uh, you know, a blind eye to sin and it makes your life so much easier. I mean, some of the the biggest pain in my life has been um, trying to lean in, um, you know, to other folks. Being on the receiving end of that has been it's been painful, uh, but the payoff is worth it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, hey, you have you have a healthy church, um, you know, that you just like you can walk through the halls and you don't have to duck. You you uh, there's nobody that you're angry uh, at that you haven't had you know a conversation that is trying to move towards reconciliation. It leads to a staff that uh, of just brothers and sisters that you're locking arms with that you know it's staff retreat time and you're going to hop into a car with five other people and you you're not you're not trying to position to get anybody out of Mm -hmm. your car like you're you're great to have any of any of the the staff people uh, in in the car and then also just your family you know when when kids can look at mom and dad and say hey you can do better that's not who you are and then to to watch your children uh, I think lovingly kindly admonish each other and just say, I've, I've yeah. seen this like that. Oh gosh. The payoff is so worth it. It's hard. It's so hard. Uh, I know why churches don't do it. Um, but the payoff is immense and, and it's, it's it, worth it. And it's the job description of a leader, you know, and, and this is, we, we can't, we can't ignore it. This is what we have to do. This is what we signed up for in mm-hmm. being leaders. And if we don't want to be involved in coaching or admonishing or running our fingers through the wool of sheep and and helping uh, admonish the unruly, then we really don't want to be a leader. Yeah, and so let's else. let's get out of yeah, that and, game. And every and by the way, just again, I want to remind you, it's not the job of your elders. You, if you want to be a leader, we should all aspire to the job of overseer. Mm, there you go. We are a kingdom of priests, and it's your job. It, it doesn't say if you're a leader and you see your brother in a spiritual trespass. It says you who are spiritual. Mm-hmm. So anybody who is a Christ abiding. Um, Devoted follower of Christ, it's our job to do this. Loving correction uh, is an act of love. Any parent knows that. And if what marks us is our love for one another, what should mark us is we ought to move in when most people move around. Uh, the truth is, is most people would rather, I'd say it this way, sin themselves 
than confront sin in another person's life. That's good. And so you are sinning against God and your brother when you see something that is dishonoring to him, damaging your relationships, hurting other people, or dis, or, or or destroying your witness if they just remain silent. Mm-hmm. And so silence in the face of sin, in the midst of sin, is a sin itself. Love it. Mm-hmm. All right. Done? Any any other? Uh, John, any final thoughts? I, 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 say, I, just, I would point to the show notes. we got a conflict field guy that talks about we give, we go. got a 10 tips to get in the ring. Okay. Uh, we have in there uh, all kinds of very practical helps for this. We're going to put a sample uh, um, communication that we always use. Uh, I would say that, that, that 90% of our communication always looks the same yep. with some specific details put in there. We'll have that on the show notes. And um, we could not encourage them anymore that though this is difficult, okay, get out of the mindset of you thinking people getting called to the principal's office and getting tongue lashed, right? Uh, understand that what's happening here is the shepherding of the flock of God, which is the core command of the church. Be a shepherding church not a church that just um, gathers people for a show every week. There you go. So good. Which is not in contrast to loving. No. Being a, being a shepherding church is yeah. the same thing. Uh, don't don't make that uh, mistake of separating them somehow. There you go. Todd, thanks so much for being in here today. love having you in the uh, studio with us. It's a privilege. All right, John. Church Discipline, that was a great conversation with Todd. Always so encouraging to hear his heart. You know that comes through. It's so apparent uh, that this is just an aspect of loving others. What what really hits you today? Uh, yeah, I, I think maybe the same thing was where I, where I started. It is uh, it's it's loving. Yeah, um, and it is best for the church, and it is best for the individual. Yeah, and I think you and I, uh, God's used each of us in each other's lives, and and, it, and we've kind of done these micro moments of, yeah. of church discipline, our, our wives. I think my wife is more emboldened um, to lean in to me because she goes to church here yeah. and I'm the beneficiary. Uh, I don't have a disrespectful, contentious wife. I've got a wife who's trying to sharpen me. And the reason she does that is because she goes to church here That's and right. uh, she's seen it modeled and um, it creates a healthy environment, a healthy church. And it's what leaders do. And I hope you're challenged just to lean into it. Amen. All right. Well, if you have any questions or comments on today's episode or topics you'd like for us to consider, consider for future episodes, please feel free to contact us via email. We can be reached at clp at watermark.org. If you liked what you heard today, please rate and review us. That helps others to find us. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time.